At approximately 5.15 p.m. on May 10th in 1967, three boys ages 11, 13, and 14 explore a cave near their house in Mark Twain's hometown of Hannibal, Missouri. Brothers Billy Hogue, Joel Hogue, and friend Craig Dow are never seen again. Making the case go cold for over 50 years. Using the facts from 1967, we reopen the case for the Lost Boys of Hannibal. Welcome back to the Lost Boys of Hannibal podcast. I'm your host, Frankie Campbelletta. And with me as always... Chris Ketters. Chris, how you doing? How does how was your fourth? Uh, it was good. It was... Uh, you know what? If you want to go shopping and you need to do, like, shopping, do it on July 4th. There is nobody in any place at all. <laughs> <laughs> no. We had to get some supplies at some uh, local hardware store, and there was like three people in the whole store, and that was awesome. So, yeah, I mean, if you want to do shopping, do it on the 4th of July. I'm surprised they were open. I mean, that's how all stores have been with this pandemic. Just very. And then flying, I had to fly to Florida recently. That was incredible. That was the best flight I've ever had in my entire life. Did you get the whole row to stretch out? You There's no middle seats. Everybody wears a mask. Oh, wow. And nobody's talking. Did they take the middle seat out? No, it's there. Okay. You just can't sit in it. Okay. And then, did, and then did you have to wear a mask you, the whole time? Yes, the whole time. Okay. The whole duration of the flight. Which actually is, it's, the problem is people concentrate on their breathing. And then it sounds like, it feels like you can't breathe. But actually, if you just breathe normally, it's fine. It's, you get used to it. Um, and so I got, had a lot of chance to do some work on the plane and, and uh, pick up some awards for another film that we had. It was a film festival in Florida that actually put their show on. It was very limited as well, but uh, we wanted to go. Um, so it was fun. It was it was a good little trip to get to Florida. Everything was pretty much – Florida was ultra safe too. There's a lot of stuff out there that is just not true. There, there's, there's just not true. Like when we were in Florida, it was super safe. Like people – everywhere you went, everybody was masked up. If you went somewhere public, like a movie theater – um, they separated the rows. Uh, it was awesome. It was it was just awesome. Like they they were doing their best to, you know, we weren't in Miami and, and Broward County, but still, like you can start to see the, the change in the norm. But you know, so we wanted to, I wanted to come up for July to Hannibal, you know, and do something at the Mark Twain Brewery or something. But that's just not going to happen now. <laughs> well, and I'll tell you, there's um, from our discussion group, I saw a lot of people that were up in Hannibal or, you know, a lot of people live in Hannibal, but there's a lot of people that were up there for uh, Tom Sawyer days. They still had uh, some of those activities going on in Hannibal. I know they had the 5k, which I know a few of our discussion group people took part in the Hannibal cannibal, which you've been up to lover's leap, Frankie. And one of the things with the Hannibal cannibal is they run up lover's leap and then back down. So you can only imagine how tough that would be. My, uh, my uh, wife's uh, n- uh, niece and her husband 
did it, the run and their five-year-old and seven-year-old i think did it as well so and they finished God it so that was pretty impressive i was impressed but uh yeah it's so a lot of people in hannibal and um i know there's been a lot of people that ironically the 5k goes right through the south side goes right down uh, highway 79 so it's i'm sure some of the people that are listening to the podcast and that were in that 5k were like hey this is the area that frankie and chris talk about every other week so yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, no, it's 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 great, um, and we're, I'm actually signed up for a 5K in September, um, so it'll be my first 5K since my knee surgery. So I've been excited about that and doing it for a church. Um, so you know, uh, th- that'll be interesting. But Lover's Leap, Steep Hill, um, yeah, that probably that might <laughs> take a little bit. On top of a 5K, pra- you got to do a 5K. I along know. With it, I mean. You know? You're, you're done at that point. Yeah. Unless you're starting downhill, then it might give you momentum. You start downtown, from my understanding, and then you 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 go like a mile or two or a mile, and then you go up Lover's Leap, and you come back down, and it's just, whew, I couldn't do it. I don't know how, how I, I, I don't even think I could do it when I was six years old, to be honest with you. We should, we should do a Lost Boys of Hannibal 5K. I'll just stand at the front gate or at the start finish line and I'll, I'll do the little gunshot or whatever. You could run it. <laughs> um, I, you know, I think that I think our viewers would get behind. You can walk it, yeah, that's true. you know, but walk for the boys. I think would be kind of cool. And then we can raise money for missing persons. Yeah. Could be fun. Yeah. Good idea. Um, um, or some about. parts of or some parts of Hannibal, yeah. maybe that may need a little gentrification or something. <laughs> anyway, Chris, we have an ex- exciting show. I do want to say right now that this is episode seven, so I'm excited about episode seven. Um, but we did cliffhang to the Tobin Construction Company last time, and so we have changed that on the docket because of new information that you're going to share with us right now. Why did Tobin get moved, Chris? Well, in, it goes back to a little bit about uh, when we did that poll. Remember last episode we talked about those poll results we got from our discussion group talking about what they thought the most logical outcome was for the boys. And again, it was I don't I think it was like 56% of them or something said that they still feel like they're lost in the cave. And ironically enough, we brought it up also that we had a geologist that uh, was posting. Now, you know when things you get those chances every once in a while where it just just something falls on your lap and you're like, oh, look at this. How, how, how great does this work out? And, and that's exactly what happened. And we have a, a person that we've, we've wanted to bump up and talk to her because she's so knowledgeable. She... Um, she knows she knows uh, geology. She knows caving, and, and on top of all that, she grew up in Hannibal. So I mean, or grew up in the Hannibal area, I should say. So we have to bring her on and talk about her because that's the most evident thing. And you said even getting back to to Hannibal and getting back to the boys, uh, even you're still with that they're in the cave. So this is a great opportunity. Where you know we're, we're you know going across the crest for halfway of the season that we can talk to her and really get in depth with with this cave situation and really dig into that. No, yeah, pun intended. Uh, yeah, but yeah, to, dig into to, it. Uh, yeah, to her CV too. I mean, she is. Uh, I think she was eight years old when the boys went missing. She her her grandparents lived right on Union Street, so right in front of Stoll School, which is crazy. Uh, so you start to really understand the embodiment of her love for caving is because once again, these are kids that grew up around this area. So naturally, like me growing up on the beach, I love the beach, want to go swimming. Most of my friends dive. It's the same with this type of typography, right? So she actually has a degree in um, hydro. Hydrology. 
Hydrology. Yeah, it's that's stu- a really study cool of water. Yep. The study of water. Mm-hmm. Which is a very cool thing. I, I know I have a friend who's a, hydro, a hydrologist at uh, one of the National Weather Service offices. And, and I, me and her, it was great. We've been messaging each other back and forth all week. And uh, I was like, man, I think me and you are going to be buddy-buddy for a really long time. Because <laughs> she, I, I've always, I told her, I was like, when I was younger, and I still am, I, anytime I have free time, my, my, my interests go to geology and to meteorology. And she teaches both of those. Um, and so that's great and then we we ended up talking for for a while on messenger about hawaii because uh, my wife and i just visited uh, the big island last year and got to go see the volcano for the first time ever and so me and her were we were just all giddy we were little giddy schoolgirls trying to talk about that stuff so yeah because you you um you were you still are actually i see you on your post extreme weather chaser too like you like all things meteorology. I like. I was thinking about this yesterday. I like all things natural science, like geology, um, you know, meteorology, uh, volcanology. All that stuff is just that's just that's just that's just my bread and butter. I love that and stuff. Then, and for our viewers, volcanology is the study of Spock. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, we're this. So we had to bring her in. Um, because not only was did she kind of fall on our lap and come into our discussion group, but she also brought so much interesting detail into our discussion group, and so many people had questions for her in the discussion group chat that we were like, we gotta, we gotta get on this now. So, and she's, uh, yes, she's standing by. So I guess we can bring her in. Chris, I want to welcome Julie Angel to the program. This is somebody that gave us an amazing post on our group. This is one of the importances of having a group in Lost Boys of Hannibal. So, Chris, do you want to introduce? Yeah, um, and as I mentioned just a few minutes ago, it's awesome when when somebody this this amazing falls into your lap, literally falls into your lap, <laughs> into the discussion group. So, uh, Julie, welcome. Thank you. I'm so, glad, I'm so glad to be here with you. Yeah, so so let's talk. You know, not only do you have the the background that we desperately need, but also you know the area, which is which is an added benefit. So you grew up in Palmyra, um, and you told us before that your grandparents actually lived in Hannibal. Is that correct? Yes, they lived at eight seventeen Union, which is just two and a half blocks from the search area. Wow. So, so obviously you, and you were, you were actually, was it nine years old when, when that, when this all happened? I was eight. Eight. Okay. Yeah. So you, so you don't really remember it very much, but, but you were there. (laughs) That's right. I I remember the emotion part more than uh, facts that were discussed by my grandparents and my, my parents. Yeah, so, but we'll obviously dig into that a little bit later, but uh, I want to talk about Julie's background. Julie, uh, you're an associate professor of earth sciences uh, at Parkland College, and um, if I was at Parkland College, I probably would be taking one of your courses because you do introductory to geology and weather, so I probably would have been in in your class quite often. You'd be like, darn Chris, that troublemaker. Um, (laughs) But... (laughs) Yeah, so you, uh, your background, you have a master's of science in hydrology, and uh, I had to tell Frankie earlier what hydrology was. He, he thought it was some sort of uh, in-game um, for, like, uh, you know, what is that? What is that called? Um, <laughs> the hydro. Uh, hydrology. Yeah, but uh, hydrology is the study of water. Is that correct? Or, or lost, hydro. Yeah. 
Is that is that? This? It's funny because I was drinking yeah. water when you said that. <laughs> so yeah, the study of water in the basic terms. There's so much more to that than than just just water. But uh, she has a bio, uh, uh, bachelor of science degree in geology as well and um this is really great the certifications and background uh, you're a level one cave rescue certified which we'll get to later geological society of america the illinois groundwater association national groundwater association Uh, here you go frankie the national speleological society i still got it I'm getting better now and then also uh, (laughs) one that i'm a member of too is the american meteorology society so um, yeah, so yeah, well, welcome. And I hopefully I didn't miss anything. You obviously have a lot of publications and, and you, you obviously teach. Um, so you're kind of well rounded in our area. Is there anything that I missed in, in your in your background that, that you wanted to hit up on? No, I think you pretty much uh, nailed it. Awesome. Oh, well, you know what, there is one other thing you do belong you belonged and I'm gonna I am gonna butcher this. Uh, the is it the Chotua Grotto in Colombia? Shuto. Shuto. Is that right? Oh, Shoto Grotto. Shoto. Yeah. I yes. uh, belonged to Shoto Grotto when I was in my 20s. And then when I moved to Illinois, I thought my caving days were over. I looked at the flat cornfield. <laughs> right. Uh, but I actually found a group in Bloomington Normal called the Near Normal Grotto. And um, so I've been a member of that group. Now does I'm near normal. I apple stab. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, an apple stabber. Uh, now does does that group still do? Um, do they still do like cave searches? Do they still go out and, and explore? Oh yes, um, they have to travel three three hours in any direction from Bloomington Normal to find caves to explore. Uh, southern Indiana, Southern Missouri, Southern uh, Illinois. Uh, so they're a very dedicated group in that sense. Some people just walk out their back door, and um, if they live in a cave region, uh, they can go caving. But these people have to do a little bit of traveling. To <laughs> I bet. <laughs> a, a very bit. dedicated group. Very cool. Uh, and um, now, with the school, and you, you've been in Parkland how long now? I've been at Parkland for uh, 12 years, actually longer than that. Um, I've been in my full-time position for 11 years. Okay, That's amazing. You also have a couple of publications that you've actually written. And is that something that I know for some professors that are kind of um, in, this in, in seniority, you have to continue to publish papers and write stuff. Is that required or is that just something you do? Um, on your own accord? Um, That's something that I did while I was, uh, mostly while I was a student. At Parkland, we're a two-year college, and we focused um, mostly on the teaching aspect. If you want to do research, um, they are very supportive of that, Um, but most of my research has been done uh, while I worked part-time for the Geological Survey uh, several years ago and also as an undergraduate and graduate student. I was very fortunate to work with um, someone here in Illinois that is uh, a karst expert, Caden karst expert. And so many of those publications were uh, in conjunction with a group of people and with um, this person. Awesome, and I'm glad you brought up karst because I think a lot of people are um, gonna be like, what's karst? Because um, I was. Uh, so, you know, and I knew a little bit about it but just because just of my daughter and her gems. 
but I didn't know the full example of it. So if you can explain it in your teaching voice <laughs> um, to our audience, what exactly karst is, because it's caving and karst, right? Is that kind of where you specialize in those two arenas? Right. So Karst is a geological landscape where you have rock fairly close to the surface or even at the surface that's easily dissolvable in water. And so features that you see in karst landscapes are caves, springs, water that, that emanates out of the side of a hill, sinkholes, which are depressions in the Earth's surface. Sometimes you'll see what's called a disappearing stream where water is flowing along the surface and then all of a sudden it just disappears into a hole. Uh, these and many other things uh, are features of karst. Unbelievable. That will be on your test later on. <laughs> Multiple <That's right>. choice. <laughs> it's, it's, you, you, you told her, Frank, you make it sound like you were talking to your students, and, and I felt like I was literally yeah. sitting in her classroom right there. So that's that awesome. true. We never, give, we never give multiple choice because it always gives people anxiety. So <laughs> it's basically right in. Like multiple choice has given more people test anxiety than anything else. Yeah. <laughs> So, all right, uh, so let's dig in. So there's so much to talk about, and I can already tell you this is going to be a two-parter because we have so much to cover, and I'm, I'm super excited to dig into it. So the first thing I want to dig into, and you kind of mentioned it, we kind of dug a little bit just there. Man, I'm, I'm punning a lot. I, I'm sorry, sorry about that. Uh, but we dug into it just a minute ago, is, is talking about just the geology of caves. And specifically, let's talk about Hannibal because we have Murphy's Cave, we have uh, Cameron Cave, Hannibal Mark Twain Cave, we have the Lost Boys Cave, so explain to us this caving system in the Hannibal area. The cave system in the Hannibal area consists mostly of what we term uh, network caves uh, or maze caves. Um, those types of caves form in areas that have very unique conditions, and we can get to those um, in, in a little bit. Um, the caves form in the Louisiana limestone unit, uh, which in the Hannibal area is about 67 feet thick. Above and below the limestone unit are two units that are made of rock that does not allow water to seep in, either from above the rock layer or below. Uh, they're mostly shale. The Hannibal Shale above and the Saberton and Grassy Creek Shale below. So you have these units that are kind of sandwiching um, the Louisiana limestone in between. So you might say, oh, well, that limestone uh, won't ever form caves because caves are formed by water moving through the rock and dissolving the calcite in the rock. But these caves have well-developed joint systems. Uh, joints are like vertical cracks that begin at the bottom of the limestone unit and go all the way up to the top. Uh, if water is able to get in and slowly eat away the walls of those joints, then you'll have slow enlargement of those joints and you'll eventually end up with cave conduits beneath the surface. 
And you're talking like thousands of years in those situations, right? Yes, tens of thousands of, of years. The, the d dissolution process, uh, the dissolving of the calcite and the removal of that to, to enlarge those openings is very, very slow. Um, it does have different rates. Um, if, if you have cold water coming in versus warm water, you can have a different rate at which that dissolving takes place. Hmm. And this this might be diving in a little too deep, but I, I'm curious probably for my own information. So you mentioned that the shale on the top and the bottom doesn't allow water to penetrate. So when like, say for example, somebody's drilling a well, I mean, I guess it's even possible. It might not even be possible in that situation, but is there only, you? once you get past that lower level of limestone, there's nothing for you to go after. Is that is that right? Am I way off? Uh, good question. Um, it, it's, it's complicated. Uh, you do want to be drilling into rock that contains water. Uh, if you were to drill past those two units that are have low permeability is what we say uh, they don't trans transmit the water very well you may indeed drill into a rock layer below those that is um full of water okay ground water okay uh, and then you mentioned it and i just want to repeat just because i think we'll be coming back to this later so how is there an average depth or i mean how deep are you looking that that bottom layer of limestone is uh, how far can that go down do you know um i believe when i read the literature that the saberton and the grassy creek were somewhere between 30 and 40 feet thick so we're okay. talking about a relatively thick impermeable layer there Okay, and, and the, the, the Louisiana limestones where the cave formations are happening at, right? Yes. And that's, so it's going to have to be above that 30 or 40 feet? Yes. Okay. The cave will not extend um, down into the shale, uh, just because shale isn't a cave-forming uh, rock. It also will not extend up any farther than the very upper part of the Louisiana limestone. It won't be able to extend into that shale above. And I okay. think the cavers all reported that. Anybody that's been in Murphy's Cave, anybody that's been on a tour of Cameron and Mark Twain Cave will look up and see a very, very flat ceiling. That's the bottom of the Hannibal Formation oh, wow. on the bottom of the Hannibal Shale. Oh wow! So I didn't I didn't realize that. So so more often than not, your your top layer, your your cave. And correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like more often than not, the cave is any cave in the limestone is going to be at the top layer of that limestone section. Um, it could extend um, any anywhere from the top to the bottom. Okay. Especially due to those joints that we talked about, um, those joints that tend to uh, break open when earth moves they're not like faults you don't have earth moving on either side of them once the joint breaks um, everything is static um, but as long as you have a joint um, you can have the formation of the cave passage and you're basing the the we talked about the going back to like the 30 40 feet for the the bottom 
it, that's the bottom that's the layer underneath the limestone right yes this okay thing. that is that based off of like your like water level like your what do you want to call it like sea level or how i mean how's that based off of what what are we, is that just above the ground or i mean how's that work um you can talk about different cave uh levels based on sea level height um but what we've talked about mostly now were just thicknesses of those layers not necessarily okay. how deep they are okay Gotcha, gotcha. I know uh, in some information I sent to you, I did do some work in Google Earth Pro looking at the elevation of the Murphy's Cave entrance, estimating um, uh, sea level height of, of the ceiling of Murphy's Cave. Uh, but so far in our discussion right now, we're just talking about thicknesses. Okay, okay, good deal. Uh, yeah. Frankie, have we lost you yet? No, I I'm curious to to know as a I guess as a child they would have closed Murphy's Cave by the time you had the opportunity to explore inside Murphy's Cave. Yes. Yeah. But you, you but you have been in Cameron. I have been in Cameron. I have been in Mark Twain. Uh so I do I can see a picture in my mind of um uh, the, the walls of the cave, the very dry nature uh, the very chalky nature of that Louisiana limestone that the cave is formed in, I can see in my mind that flat ceiling. Um, and then as I read cave literature, that helps to be able to uh, think about those things. Um, and there is... Because you, you have no problem just diving in and going into a cave. Oh, I have loved caves for so long. Um I finally did get the opportunity to start exploring wild caves, caves that don't have um, lights and uh, nice uh, smooth pathways when I was in my early 20s. And um, there's something about the personality of someone who likes to <laughs> go into the subsurface and crawl around and get muddy. Um, I can't explain with me where that came from, but there are so many uh, people out there that absolutely love to do that. And, and let me let me give a plug here. Let's go back to Handel, and you mentioned them already. Cameron Cave is one of those caves. I mean, that is technically a that would technically be a wild cave, right? Because they don't have any lighting in that cave. Yeah, they don't. They um, have. Uh, I probably from the people walking through there for uh, a long time. They have a uh, fairly well developed pathway. But yeah, Cameron Cave is in its uh, natural state. And uh, you could consider it a, a wild cave. Yeah. yeah. So do cavens only occur when men or man, let's just say hypothetically, man start doing things around cave structures? Um, just for like, for just people's sake in Cameron Cave, for instance, that would never face a caven, would it, on its own accord? Um, it might over time. There, there is a weathering or erosion of rock that occurs within the cave over time. Um, as Earth moves, there's additional fractures that form in the rock. And uh, gravity is a powerful force. So uh, when you get enough fractures in the rock, you can have blocks of rock fall. But when uh, man disturbs uh, the surface, and disturbs those rock layers as they did with the Highway 79 road cut, um, then you're talking a completely 
a different type of stability. The, the cave it will not be as stable uh, once you've had dynamiting go on, once you've had uh, large uh, construction vehicles go over the top, you're going to have um, much higher probability of cave-in. What about awesome. what about like uh, moisture, humidity? Do, if you're open, you know, one of the things that was brought up in the Karis report has to do with once they opened up those caves, they started seeing a lot of it crumbling. And, and, and does, is that a factor because of humidity and, and your a change of temperature, you know, change of temperature and change of humidity in the caves itself? You know, I saw that too, and initially, I, I was just as confused about why they they would say that. Um, to me, having the cave open would not do that much. You have a lot of cave passage there with a lot of air circulating. To me, that wouldn't do um, much to change the overall humidity levels in that large of a cave. So I'm still as perplexed as you are about um, that comment about that cave, quote, drying out, uh, why they think that that was, was a factor or an increased risk in cave collapse. That's let's we need to, Frankie, let's put a pin in that because that is very interesting that he, he mentions that and there's concern that, that, that may not be an issue. I, I, I hate to say this it almost makes me wonder if they were trying to find an out because they, they were getting desperate for not having any, any results. Yay, your so, first rabbit hole. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome. Welcome to well, rabbit hole. Uh, Julie. Currently at minute 21 and, <laughs> and Chris has discovered the first rabbit yeah. hole. Um, but yeah, let's <laughs> the fluffle is alive. Yeah. yeah. Let's, <laughs> let's dig into that because I, I, I well, we need to dig in that more because that's very, I'm, I'm that, that gives us a rabbit hole because why would he? Why would they say that when you really humidity may not really be a, a factor in in a cave situation like that? Yeah, I, yeah. So let's put a let's put a hat in that or a pin in that for sure. Um, before we move on, to Frankie, did you have anything else on, on the, the the subject we're at right now before we move on to the cutout? Um, I always had the question of where is the water? If if water's not coming in from the top, then where is the water coming in? When you walk into a cave, it's usually even I'll drive up to Salem, Missouri to grab my daughter. And sometimes um, I'll see on the side of the bluffs just water coming out of the rocks. I've always wondered if it's not coming from the top, where is it coming? I'm guessing the ocean, but where, where is it coming from? Well, in the Salem area, the water probably is coming in from the top. Um, one of the things that makes those Hannibal Caves special is the fact that, again, they're sandwiched between those two impermeable layers. Um, water that comes in from the top is more common. Um, shouldn't say it's more common, but it um, happens in many of the caves in Missouri. They're not capped by these um, low permeability layers. And so after the cave formed, you can have water that comes in and it forms stalactites and stalagmites. And many times it ends up flowing out just as you've observed, Frankie along the sides of hills um, as, as springs. Um, in the Hannibal Caves, the water comes mostly from underneath. And I know that's probably hard to wrap your mind around. 
because of gravity. A little water yeah. table, too, right? <laughs> yeah. Groundwater, um, even in, in non-karst areas, groundwater levels will usually be at the level of the uh, area streams. And huh. water, if it's a hilly area, those streams will be down in the valleys. The water actually is um, moved upward, higher under the hills by hydrostatic pressure. Oh, wow. It moves out and, and upward. So if you think about the Mississippi River and even Bear Creek that runs right along the side of the hill where Murphy's Cave is, during flood events, as that water rises, that water will move sideways into the hill and up from underneath, and um, it will infiltrate some of those rock layers, including the Louisiana limestone where the, the caves have formed. Wow, that's interesting. You brought this up uh, with, so you have that happening during flooding. Now let's go back to just normal river stages and when the Mississippi's at you know a, a normal river level, are you is that creating like your water table to where is that can you can you use that as okay you mark you take a straight line across and that's where the water's going to be at you know on the south side underneath i mean are, can you can you use that as a as a as an indicator where the water level's going to be at when you get into the land area you can if it's um land that's fairly flat and um let's say in the floodplain area um, much of the south side has traditionally been in the floodplain area mm -hmm. uh, until they tore some of those houses down. But when you get to those hills, the water is literally pushed upward. And so it could, be, it could be higher than the, the Mississippi River level. Yes. Um, hmm. I can almost guarantee it is. Uh, and that's not just in the Hannibal area. Uh, that's in, in um, lots and lots of areas where you have a stream uh, the groundwater is always pushed up higher underneath the hills. Have you ever, and, and kind of let's stay on Murphy's Cave, have you have you had a chance to take a look at where that that levels, you know, if we're going to base it, obviously you just said the water can rise up, but even just to take a cross section and say this is where the Mississippi River's at, and we know probably that the water is going to be going straight across underneath the south side from there. Do we know what our elevation difference is from like the beginning, like the openings of Murphy's Cave to where the river level's at? Have you had a chance to take a look at that at all? We don't. Um, okay. Those sorts of records are determined many times uh, through well log records. When we drill wells, um, especially for homes out in the country, um, the uh, well company will meticulously record the rock layers that they pull up uh, as a core. And they can usually tell um, the highest level of the water in that subsurface material. And of course, that's called the water table. Mm -hmm. um, I would, if I were to do any more uh, research on this, I would go to um, the Missouri Geological Survey and I would look to see if there were any well log records for the area above Murphy's Cave. Now, um, that area has been part of the city of Hannibal for a long time. 
Yeah. So chances uh, of there being an actual well that's been dr- dug in that immediate area is probably going to be pretty slim, I would guess. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. What, I, what I thought. Yeah, and it's funny well, you brought that up because I... And I I did go to the geological survey yesterday and they have a bunch of uh, what they call the KMZ files for Google Earth. And they I was looking up sinkholes and looking up, um, you know, dye paths and all that stuff that they have. And I did not download uh, the water table, but I know that is on there because I did see that yesterday when I was when I was going through that research. So we'll have to dig into that for sure. Maybe we'll get lucky on that. Did you did you find anything for that area of Hannibal in terms of sinkhole coverage? We, I didn't. I looked at it, um, and I, I, I showed actually showed Frankie before we started, um, and I'm trying to just pull it up real quick here, right now. But the closest one is actually in Rawls County, and um, it's it's probably a good, I want to say like 20 miles away, maybe 15 miles away, uh, but it is it's it's actually closer. I want to stay closer to Saverton, which is a little ways down the road. Um, but yes, yeah, so there's none in that immediate south side. Probably you want to do like a, I'd say for sure a, a 10 to 15 mile radius. There's no sinkholes that are reported by by the geological survey. Um, which we're ironically, you, you, you kind of keyed into that. That's something we're going to be talking about and um, talking about in just a few minutes is going down to the going down the hole of the sinkhole. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So well, destabil- destabilization, right? So the reason why. I preface that conversation when and and ignore the term man, but it's it's always like that, right? Man has, you know, the stars remain beautiful because we can't reach them. Type of attitude, right? <laughs> so when you look at when we're doing this building and when we're doing this destabilization of what's there, and we hear these terms like in 1967, a new cave was discovered. Well, it's just new to you. The cave's been there for thousands and millions of years so the the new cave system that formed out of the road cut and this happened because they were doing this construction with highway 79 this creates um a lot of controversy with our case this is the back and forth this is where a lot of people educated people Educate not educated guesses, but informed opinions about geology, about destabilization of rock formations, and what happens when you said it earlier, when big moving, you know, earth movers essentially is what we call them, are on top of this and they're cutting into it and they're ripping out the earth to create a more foundation for a highway, and so they destroy these these cave networks. And unfortunately, there is no evidence of what those caves look like prior to this road. Right. But for three young boys and probably more. So here's the real question. What other boys were down there? I'm surely they were not the only three. Like, surely they were not. Um, Maybe there's somebody out there, Chris, that that went into the road cut caves and maybe they can give more of a detailed description of what it was and why they backed out. They were in those caves on Monday. They had no problems. But Tuesday comes all day long. Wednesday all day long. It's part of the earth movers are there doing their job and they're ripping things up, making it even more destable from Monday to Wednesday. So this is something that you have to keep in mind as we go into this next segment here with you on the road cut case. Yeah. And let me, let me, so let me, let me dig into that. Uh, so a lot, we see a lot of pictures and there's discussion in the Karis report about collapses and you see the pictures of where it looks like, 
Um, what's the best example? It's like long crater. Flat, it looks well, like a crater. Well, I'm talking about the rock structure. Like there's long flat rocks. Is that shale that you, that they're, that that you're seeing? Or I mean, because limestone isn't gonna this limestone composition isn't necessarily a long flat stone like that, right? It could be. Okay. You can see big flat slabs of limestone uh, as part of these big piles of what we cavers call breakdown. Um, when you're inside of, of a cave, um, those, those can separate from the ceiling along uh, fractures or, or areas of weakness. So you can get little chunks, you can get huge slabs, um, okay. could also be some shale too. Okay. And so when we say, when we say cave-in, though, uh, cavers refer to that too as breakdown, just to be clear with the audience. It's, it, for them, it's science. Like this collapsed because of a breakdown in the limestone in the walls. So we don't always look at it as a rescue. We, always, we sometimes look at it as science. So that's what they mean by breakdown. Um, is, it, it, and if I'm, is that correct? Yes. <laughs> okay. Just so people are like, what's breakdown? <laughs> <laughs> So, so dig into a little bit. I know you've done a lot of, of research and a lot of uh, looking into the road cut. Is there anything that really pops into your mind off the top of your head that, that you kind of want to dig into? Um, I liked the comment that was made by um, Jerry Vineyard, who was the uh, former uh, deputy state geologist from Missouri. He had been down in those... Um, road cut caves. I like his comment where he says that really those openings that were excavated were not uh, separate caves, but were part of one um, big continuous network, just like Murphy's. Um, that speaks a lot to me because as the cavers went down into those holes, they were not necessarily able to move from one one section of cave to the next hole. Uh, that indicates to me that there was a lot of breakdown. There was a lot of uh, collapse of the various portions of the cave that connected those, those different areas. Um, so, so that tells me that, that it was a very compromised, very perilous area. Uh, I also read a lot, as you did too, about the uh, joints and those cave passages that had not widened enough for an adult, adult to get into. Uh, I've experienced that myself in some Indiana caves. Uh, there are just some of those uh, fractures, those cave passages that form along those joints that are not big enough for a full-size adult to squeeze through. And according to the cavers, there were a lot of those, especially underneath uh, the Lover's Leap Hill. Um, I feel that there is a lot of cave there that just wasn't able to be searched due to the fact that they weren't able to get in. Now, I will tell you, and I'm sure you know about this too, but just to let the listeners know, there was a woman, and she weighed like, like a hundred pounds or something like that. And they were having her go through a lot of those holes, but I'm sure there was even some areas that maybe she would have been having a hard time to get through. And she, I think she and, and even this, said that. Yeah. And this is happening at Murphy's cave. I just, also, we're talking about 
Yeah, it's so, a, she's she's been mainly talking about the cutout that there's, there's right. a lot of small passages at the cutout, but it's right. also and she was also yeah. yeah, and she was also in in Murphy's Cave as well, where they saw some breakdown in Murphy's Cave based on what we talked about earlier with the dryness of it, which for me, it, once again, you know, you have a lot of people going back and forth into those caves, but the thing with the road, the road, the cutout, right? Based on vineyards. Um, I guess diagnostic report of what he discovered before the road. Two things occur that really stick out to me. One, they didn't stop construction when the kids were lost. This was just damning. Um, if they were down there, they continued to earth move. And for me, that's why the episode on Jay Tobin is whose direction that was, because maybe they were focused so much on Murphy's cave. And I think Vineyard said they should have been focused on the road a lot more. And I think even in your testimony that I think that, you, that you've read from him and his research was that 30 days is not enough to do a thorough investigation of these caves. Absolutely not. Um, as, as you know, I've done a lot of volunteer work at Mammoth Cave in Kentucky. It's the longest known cave that we've discovered. And so I've been passionate about reading the books that have been written about the discovery and the connection of smaller caves to the larger cave. And in every one of those books, they talk about discoveries being made years after people had originally been down a passage, um, maybe a small um, slit in the wall, uh, maybe a small hole in the floor. So for me, and my experiences and, and the things from the things that I've read, I find it very, very difficult to imagine that in a complex cave system such as Murphy's and the Roadcut Caves, that they were able to 100% with confidence say that we have looked everywhere. Uh, it just doesn't normally happen like that. And, and they did their best. Um, they were all very heroic, and so this is not to say that I'm um, um, that I'm saying anything damning about about the sure. No, but I I do know that in exploration of caves, it takes a long, long, long time to find all the little nooks and crannies. Well, it, it, there's a, here's a perfect example. We talked about this earlier this year in Mark Twain Cave. They just recently found Mark Twain's signature in Mark Twain Cave. And that cave's been open for 70, 80, 100 years now. So um, it, that goes to show you that, I mean, you could have literally thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of people every year going through a cave and not see something. Um, Mark, Mark Twain knew where it was. Yeah, he, <laughs> there you go. Uh, Why didn't anybody ask him? <laughs> let's let's dig into the road cut a little bit more because one of the things that's kind of popped into my head as we've been talking is and you've kind of, you hit this up a little bit in our, our discussions previously is with Mrs. Powell um, talking about the areas of seeing that you know he I, I think it was billy that pointed out to her that they were going to check out a new cave 
um, and he pointed towards the 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 um, road cut area. One of the interesting things, because if again, if you've been to Hannibal, you've or if you looked on Google Maps, they had to make a big cutout area through the limestone to make Highway 79 work. And, and we talked about the terrace levels. There's two terrace levels on the left uh, if you're going south, and then there's even some hill areas on the right, even. Um, but let's talk about a cave aspect in that second terrace level in that upper levels of lover's leap how high are we looking that a cave could possibly be up above where maybe even the road cut was at is that a possibility that you could have uh, a cave entrance or, or some sort of cavern area in that in, up higher uh, underneath lover's leap it is possible uh, not within the louisiana limestone but there are other limestone units that were deposited in the Hannibal area uh, long ago that sit above the Louisiana, above the Hannibal. Uh, you have a Shoto formation. I think it's fairly thin. What's, what's a Shoto? The Shoto is a limestone unit okay. that's above the Hannibal. And then you have above that the Burlington and the Keokuk limestones, which would also be uh, cave-forming limestones. Okay. So you do have some layers, okay. uh, remembering that the limestones are the only units where you can really effectively form. Yeah. Uh, okay. So yeah, up, up in those upper terraces, there's limestone. I've been up there and I've looked at, at that. Uh, definitely limestone. Just out of curiosity, would I mean I there this information may already be available, but to get a better idea of what exactly types of formations you're looking at underneath Lover's Leap, would drilling or some sort of like some sort of drilling be could be done? Or I mean, do or do we have an idea already? Do we know uh, ten to twelve feet? This. 12 to 17 is this, or, or how, I mean, should is there just need to be something done to find that out? Um, we do have research. Um, sometimes it's hard to, to find. I've been researching since I started talking to you guys about <laughs> doing this. Um, there are a couple of master's and PhD theses from um, the uh, University of Missouri Rolla. I can't remember the name now. Uh, Missouri School of uh, there's a new name for it. Okay. Uh, science and technology, okay. I believe. Um, there are a couple of those that, that you can access from their library. There's also an old publication that I saved to my computer that I'm very happy to send to you that uh, was done back in the early 1900s by a geologist. Oh, wow. And um, so they produce when they do these studies, they produce what's called a stratigraphic column. And so uh, those stratigraphic columns uh, show you with a, usually a fairly simple picture, the different rock layers that are packaged one on top of the other in, in an area. Hmm. I just wonder if it, it, you know if we're going down a, a rabbit hole of investigation down down the road, and we want to take a little closer look at Lover's Leap. I mean, obviously, if if he if we have that information available already, that'd be great. Um, you know, because you know you're getting into we've talked about ground penetrating radar already. We've talked about things like that. Um, you know, I always question how far GPR can actually 
get into limestone if they can dig pretty deep in that's that's a future episode for us though uh but you know so those are questions if, if we need to come down those roads as we go um i definitely get all the information that we can for sure it's a good question i think it's less less of a rabbit hole and it's more getting back to occam's razor the last place they were seen it gets back to you know we've spent 15 days in Murphy's cave and then finally moved to the road cut after all this construction was still moving and progressing. So I think that you look at the, the, the second thing that really is stands out to me. Once we know that looking back now, hindsight's 2020, of course, but you know, 30 days was not enough, but it was enough money. And that's what it really came down to. It was a million dollars spent in 1967, which if you did an inflation inflation calculator, it's almost five times that amount today. And so you have to look at the logistics from the standpoint of a city of 200 people that went there and, and risked their lives, really risked their lives going down into unstable caves. And so just to clear up, um, Julie Angel was not saying that the cave and the cavers there were not doing their due diligence. They were doing the best they could do with the time frame they were given. And, and I think that that is, should be said uh, on our podcast too, because we've always pointed to fact, we've always pointed to research, and we've always pointed to the documentation that's that's available to us, and that's what science is, right? We can only we only know as much as science will tell us, and so we keep we keep digging to use one of Chris's lovely puns in, into this and understanding that the road cut caves for me. I see three very exploratory boys that are trying to find, you know, something down there, maybe gold, maybe something they've read in, a, in an old, because it's a new cave, you know, what else could possibly be down there? Um, this is kind of a, a, an interesting question, just because we're talking about the road cut caves in Murphy's Cave. Um, I know that Native Americans um, were very in tune to earth, and usually they did make cave markings and cave constructions on the walls to paint history do you find it i find it odd that you don't see this in dangerous caves because they probably knew better and we don't have any kind of artifacts in those caves so it's a it's a it's an interesting point that indigenous people that lived around these parts didn't even enter those caves um, because of something to that um, I don't know if you've researchers ever come to that, but I know you must have been in caves where you've seen any kind of artifacts from indigenous people, where you don't see that in Hannibal. In Mammoth Cave in Kentucky, um, they have an archaeological science uh, staff member who has kept very, very busy uh, with the archaeological finds within Mammoth Cave. Um, some of the ideas as to why those people were there all center around the availability of minerals. Uh, some minerals can be crushed up and used as um, um, something to soothe an upset stomach hmm. or maybe even a laxative. Um, they have found uh, portions of reed torches, which they're able to radiocarbon date from Mammoth Cave. Um, way, way, way back in the cave. Um, I'm not even sure I would be brave enough to uh, rely just on burning uh, torches to go back as far as some of these people did. Hmm. But I think it's um, a lot for minerals and a lot because they have a curiosity just like we do. 
Mm -hmm. Some of them were curious what was beyond that next curve. Hmm. That's right. That's right. Our biology doesn't know it's in 2020, right? We still have the same wants and needs and, and curious to name some people explorers, famous explorers, was the reason it's that itch to know more, to research more, to find something new. Um, it's part of who we are as as just a race of people that want to explore more and do things. But I just always thought that that was an interesting uh, tidbit when you look in that stuff. And, you know, I know that there was a, there was a redig when they, when they built up that school right where the boys used to live, that they found yet again, another entrance to the caves where they saw markings from the, the cavers that were down there indicating that they'd been down this way. So Chris, I think that takes us right into kind of the, 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 the sinkholes? Uh, not, or did you not, have more on the road? Track? I don't think there's a pun in the sinkholes. I think it's just straight sinkholes, right? <laughs> yes. The whole podcast is a sinkhole. <laughs> yeah. So so one of the things that Julie brought up to me, uh, which I found really interesting, and we kind of we prefaced it a little bit just a few minutes ago, is talking about the sinkholes. Now, you mentioned something earlier about a sinkhole in that general vicinity. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Sure. In the Weaver book, uh, the Charles Weaver wrote, not Weaver, Charles Stewart, um, he mentions just in a, a few sentences, a Hamble man reporting a sinkhole behind Stoll School, the old Stoll School, and hearing a whimpering sound coming from the sinkhole. He mentions that rescuers came and probed the sinkhole and when they didn't find a large enough hole at the bottom, they sort of um, left it. Uh, they didn't do any additional um, exploring of the area or exploring um, of this man's claim uh, due to the fact that the hole, there wasn't a hole big enough for the boys to fall in. Mm. That, boy, that really concerns me. Sinkholes are windows to the subsurface. Um, in the Hannibal area, the reason you probably don't see a lot of sinkholes is due to the fact that you have those uh, shale layers, those confining layers. The only place you're going to see a sinkhole is a place where the Hannibal shale has been compromised and water is able to flow from the surface down into those cracks. So I'm concerned that they didn't do a little bit of extra looking at this spot, maybe even some excavating. Uh, because when you're down in a cave and a sinkhole is above you, sometimes you see uh, piles of rock. Sometimes you can see some silt, even some wood and leaves hmm. that have been brought into that sinkhole down through the fractures and pile up on the bottom of the cave floor. Maybe the boys made their way to that area, were trapped, and maybe they were trying to get someone's attention at the surface. Yeah, that's what. I, so that's where. Yeah, I was just. Good, that was going to be my next question. Could it be possible a scenario where they're down one of these caves and they see they, they've been searching forever, can't find a way out, and all of a sudden they say, "Oh, well, there's some dirt coming from the." coming from the roof of this cave maybe we could dig our way out and, and then something happens i mean that's completely plausible if you have a sinkhole scenario correct mm -hmm. yep and if they were the yeah. great little cavers that we think that they were 
Uh, they probably had, as you said, Chris, they probably had already figured that out from previous uh, adventures. Yeah. Now, so, is it possible that, or, well, actually, let me go back. Do we know by, you asked me, you asked earlier about no, any known sinkholes from the geological survey, and, and there wasn't any on their mapping, but do we do we have an estimate of how far away we're looking at? I mean, is it closer to the road cut, is closer to Murphy's Cave? Do we have a, a ballpark of where this might be? Closer to the road cut caves. Okay. And um, if the caves do extend westward, which I personally believe they do, and Jerry Vineyard mentioned that uh, he had explored a passageway that trended westward and ended at the Riverside Street Valley Wall, mm. that would be very close to the back part of the old Stoll School. So I guess we need to reach out to our to our listeners and to to those that are following us. If, if you know about this thing, Cole, uh, and you can pass that along to us, get on our discussion group, uh, go to our, our website, uh, get in contact with us. Because I think there, that's something, even from an aspect, and tell me if I'm wrong here, but even from an aspect, if we can locate that location, then we might be able to do some ground penetrating radar in that location to see if there is a cave below. Is, is that something we should be able to be able to do absolutely yes and they are using ground penetrating radar um, to search for uh, potential uh, bodies beneath the surface uh, in italy and having very very good results with that yeah so please if anybody knows uh, that location i i know that angie or julia that you've been You've been searching yourself as times you've been in Hannibal, um, but uh, you know if anybody knows that location, uh, please please pass that along because that's that's very critical, uh, and definitely give us a, a, an X marks the spot that we might be able to work with. So, uh, Frankie, you got anything you want to add on that? I mean, it just feels that like yeah. I mean, they may have made their way back. I mean, put the put the scenario put the scenario like this. Keep it to simplest form, right? So they go down the road cut cave they explore this new area they dig through they get through earth movers on top moves it collapses there's a breakdown they're trapped in this one section they keep moving forward they see this sinkhole above that's where you're hearing this i mean that scenario makes makes sense that that's possible that you're going to um you're going to fight for your life at that point you're going to find a way to get out you're going to find a way and the fact that he hears whimpering, um, any kind of sound in caves, I mean, you mentioned that in your original post that really has me completely um, blown away by it. And that's something that we'll cover in part two of um, this with you because it's just too much information and like caving, we're gonna need to do um, another episode. Um, but as we move into um, one of another controversial topic, uh, and we'll we'll come back to we'll we'll probably circle back back to the road cut caves eventually on the second episode, but uh, or the part two episode of this. When you look at another controversial thing, and this is the lower level of Murphy's Cave, another this continues to come up. Um, I've mentioned it in the first season. I've been around it. I've smelled it. It's it's unmistakable. Well, 
It's unmistakable. Let's so. talk, you know, more in depth about that. So the first person in 1967 to talk about this is a guy by the name of Lloyd Atwood. We brought his name up a bunch of times. We've actually been able to connect him as in the William Karras report as the troublemaker. Troublemaker. So we have confirmed that he is the troublemaker. This guy came out of St. Louis. Not on, We can't find any background information on Lloyd. But Lloyd was the first person that came forward and says... He saw a lower level to Murphy's Cave. And just to fill it, finish off the story, so uh, Karis and the main searchers were like, this guy's a loon, he, he doesn't know what he's talking about. But the uh, Mark Twain rescue squad believed him, and so they went in searching uh, and spent quite a few hours in there, and then ended up that Karis was like, all right, I'll go in and take a look. And so Atwood was supposed to take them to the spot. They, they didn't find the spot. Um, but and, and I, So going to what you were saying, just a minute ago which i find very interesting is that you could spend years going through these caves and not find this hole in the ground uh, how is it that william Carrison has was like i've been down this this alleyway there's nothing here i mean <laughs> that so i but now we may have some more evidence and, and this is where where you know some input from you comes in is is he might not have been wrong that there's not a lower passage in, in murphy's cave you want to want to dig into that a little bit but remember the timeline. The timeline. The timeline doesn't connect the boys being there after right, 515. Right, right. But I think it still matters because if they're all connected somehow, is it possible? Is it possible that they were in that lower cave section from somewhere else they were digging? So I'm going to yeah, put that So So, so uh, why don't we dig in, Julie, to your thoughts about Murphy's lower levels? I have done some digging, no pun intended. <laughs> there you go again. <laughs> again, in the last week, um, I know Jerry Vineyard, our former deputy state geologist, mentioned that there could not possibly be more than one level to Murphy's Cave because the thickness of the Louisiana limestone was only 67 feet. Uh, there couldn't possibly be another tier or another story. Uh, modern research, and this goes back, Frankie, to your statement that you made earlier that science changes over time. The, the proclamations that we make in 1967 would be very different in 2020 based on what we know today. There is research by a <coughs> cave um, researcher named Alexander Klimshuk, and he did extensive work in a cave in the Ukraine. That cave um, had dissolvable rock, it had it was actually with gypsum instead of limestone, that was thinner than what's in Murphy's. And he found that you can have multiple tiers, even if you have a thin layer of dissolvable rock. Hmm. Uh, he said those tiers tend to form not like an apartment building where you have level one and then you go up the stairs to level two, but they can form in a stair step fashion where you might go down and you don't realize you're going down, but you're going into a slightly lower level room and then you go down again and you may have more extensive passage. So he says that it is possible to have multiple levels he also says and this is key to hannibal that when you have silt 
filled maze caves, that that silt can obscure these additional levels. In other words, they fill it up and you might not um, be able to get into them. Or recognize, or recognize that it was them. filled. Now your idea of a very low level cave research has shown that if you have a layer of limestone sitting on top of one of these um, low permeability layers, such as our Saberton shale, that water will concentrate itself and flow on top of the shale and that it, over, the, over time, let's say as these caves are back flooded with repeated flood events throughout the years, that those can be enlarged so that you can have open cave passage at the bottom of your limestone unit. Hmm. Wow. That's... I also wonder if silt isn't being removed from the vertical passages over time as the Mississippi and Bear Creek continue to back flood. That water comes in there, maybe it stirs up the silt in the bottom part of those vertical cave passages and flushes it out. There's evidence um, from Cameron Cave. Jay Harlan Bretz uh, was a professor and researcher from uh, University of Chicago. And he did a lot of work in Mark Twain Cave and in Cameron Cave. And he reports seeing what he calls slump pits in the floor at Cameron Cave um, where bits of clay and silt fall to the bottom and get washed away hmm. during um, flood events. Water actually rises in those little slop pits. Um, so to me, that all indicates that there is active water beneath Cameron Cave. Why couldn't it be uh, creating passages and removing that silt in Murphy's right. Cave? And you're talking, again, we've talked about this before, Cameron Cave and Mark Twain Cave are, you know, it may be just a little bit over a mile from Murphy's Cave, but you're when you look at the big scheme of things, it's all the same sort of of. of rock formation and, and, and levels that you're looking at across the board so and you just i think you want to, if the listeners want to take anything away from what you just said is that you have a person that was in cameron cave again a little bit probably about a mile away from Murphy's cave that has found a pit that goes into a lower level so that begs the question why couldn't that be possible in in murphy's cave that has it may not be as extensive. Maybe it is as extensive as Cameron Cave. We don't know. But wh how is that not possible? I mean, it's completely possible that, that that happens in Murphy's Cave. And they may not be traversable by humans. But the idea is, I always hate to see hear someone say never. Um, there could never be a lower level. Um, I think this modern research does show that, yes, there is potential for that. Right. And, and, and you said, you kind of you mentioned it just a minute ago, the, would the mindset and the, not, not technology, but the education of cavers 50 years ago is not as ex obviously not as extensive as it is today it's where they don't know that what you said over in another i can't remember where it was that you said that the researcher found that information at but they didn't know that that was a possibility back then correct 
So, Chris, I want her to answer that perfectly, but she can answer that on the <laughs> next part of this chilling conclusion of the caves and the three boys. We'll dive deeper into cave rescue as it stands today versus then. We'll talk a little bit about Jerry Vineyard and his work in the caves. And the thing that's always bugged me since season one and a lot of people who have been around it, that smell in Murphy's cave. Is it possible? Is it possible that maybe that smell wasn't coming from Murphy's cave, but a cave system that was connected to it? From all of us here at the Lost Boys of Hannibal podcast, I'm your host, Frankie. I want to thank Julie Angel for joining us today on the podcast. And of course, Chris Ketters for always being that guy. <laughs> <laughs> and then there were puns. And then there were puns. Thank you so much, Julie. Thank you. We'll be seeing you guys. Baby.